suicide. Caterpillar to a butterfly. It's green and growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Hello, hour number two. Green and growing starts right now. Here with you until 9 o'clock. Ashley Frasca, glad you are here. Had a lot of great calls. Let's keep it rolling, folks. 404-872-0750. I like when I plan out the show, but then it just kind of takes a mind of its own. And I love hearing from you and what's on your mind, what you're dealing with. Uh, threw out a little bit for you at the beginning of the show at 6 o'clock, talking about orchids, because that just seemed to be a hot topic in my inbox. And oh my goodness, the things you all have shared with me and sent me. Uh, Gerald was a fantastic caller with some information. Natasha sent me a picture of hers, and she's so proud of how they're starting to bud out again. So I have a lot to learn from all of you. So this hour, we're going to go uh, maybe in a little bit different direction. Still take calls, 404-872-0750. And at the bottom of the hour, I take you up to uh, to my hometown in Woodstock, up to Cherokee County. And I had a really good visit with the Cherokee County Recycling Center. And that sounds like it could be boring, but it was not. I had so much fun. I had a stressful week. And I found it to be a, a really good stress reliever. And I will share with you just how that happened. Uh, so getting back to calls in just a minute, Renee and Johns Creek calling about Mandevilla, Philip in the Druid Hills area asking for flowering wall covers, anything that's climbing, vining. Um, I've got some ideas for him. And speaking of Renee's call about Mandevilla, there's one. There's, there's a hint for you. Um, but in my conversation with Walter a couple of weeks ago, for the show and spoke to Jason Ragsdale too with Ragsdale Heating Air and Plumbing last week about, you know, being mindful of protecting the pipes and all the water sources in your home. Uh, he had a good tip for knocking the water out of those uh, glass bird baths as well, because that water is going to freeze in that glass. And if you are unfortunate like me, you will have that bust into a million pieces when it freezes. So some things to keep in mind, but uh, talking about why watering plants before a freeze, Walter kind of walked me through that a little bit. It made a lot of sense. Something else I wanted to ask him, I said, understandably, people think that they probably can't or shouldn't plant right now because it's cold, right? And I'm giving you the top three things to do in the landscape throughout the show today. Um, yes, it is still a good time to plant trees and shrubs, but it's not something you're going to want to do this weekend. It's cold. So what's the best method, though, I asked him to plant trees successfully now is there anything you have to do to maybe break up, quote, frozen soil if it's really, really hard? Or do you have to cover with anything to protect the roots once you've, you know, tried to establish a new plant? And I really liked his answer. Uh, it's got to be really cold, like in the teens and low 20s for several days. Now, keep in mind, we're just hitting the mid-20s now in the last day or two. So for several days, though, before the soil really freezes hard. So the soil, we're not really planning on that you know, it's not going to freeze. We'll be back up into the highs in the 50s as soon as the week begins. So he said, I've become a big proponent of looking at a tree in the root system before you plant it. If the tree's growing in a pot, it's certain that the roots are probably going to be circling in that pot, you know, and then if it goes on too long, it's considered root bound. Uh, but they should be growing straight out from the trunk. So if you're planting a tree, that's the first tip. Pull out pull out the tree, pull it out of the pot, knock off the soil and straighten those roots out. You want to dig a wider hole than deep. That way you're just kind of laying all those roots out and giving them enough space to stretch out. Um, then, you know, put the soil back on top to hold them in place. The planting hole should be no deeper than the root ball. So once you knock all that soil off, 
uh, the pot that it's come out of, it's really not planted that deeply. So the planting hole should go no deeper than the root ball. And if you plant on soft soil, the tree is going to sink and be too deep. So keep that in mind. You really have got to build that hole back up almost before you set the tree or the shrub in it. Knocking the soil off the roots, he says, allows you to identify the first big root on the trunk. And then when planted, this root should be no more than an inch deeper from the surrounding soil. And, you know, I asked about protecting things, covering things with the cold weather. He said, yeah, mulching after planting is always a good idea, but it's there also to prevent weeds, keep moisture in the soil, uh, keep the soil warm. So I kind of did that in a panic as well, knowing that the colder temperatures were coming, uh, mulched my, I mean, pansies, something so simple, but pansies in my pots, um, a Confederate rose cutting that I got from our friend Mickey Gazaway that I put in the in the ground maybe back in October. And I just want to baby it. I just want to put a, like a little blanket around it. So put some mulch there. And that's certainly never going to hurt. Always a good idea. All right, back out to the phones. North Fulton County. We talked to Renee in Johns Creek. Good morning. Welcome to the show. Hey, Ashley. Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I enjoyed your orchid conversations. I've never been surprised. You know, I I did too. Like I had no idea what direction that was going to take, but I learned a lot and I'm glad you did too. Thank you. Well, I've tried and tried, so maybe even (laughs) Renee, if you don't mind, if you don't mind, can you take us off speakerphone? It's starting to break up just a little bit. You're not on speaker. Oh, well, you sound better. Okay. Yeah. You sound, you sound better now. Okay. Maybe it just switched. I I hit it off when you said hello. Okay. Anyway, I had a question. You were talking about doors because it's so cold outside. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, I had a mandevilla that, um, well, a year ago, I gave you so beautiful. I thought, oh, well, it's Atlanta. It's warm. Well, no, 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 it didn't survive. <laughs> and so this past spring and summer, I bought one, and it did so well. But I read when it gets to about, like, 40 50 degrees, bring it in. So mm-hmm. I brought it in. So it's, it's doing fine, but it's dropping yellow leaves. And when you were talking about orchids, I think I'm an overlook. So I didn't know, am I doing something wrong? You know, my, my first thought is no. Um, I think the plant's doing what it's designed to do. It is a little bit stressed because it knows, you know, despite the fact that you've brought it in, it knows that there's a change in temperature, a change in season. And with a lot of house plants that we keep in in the house year round, I know Amandavilla is not that case and orchids not necessarily that case, but that's just what any of them do to kind of adapt. And when they throw off yellow leaves, which obviously, you know, are a sign that those are going to die, they're going to brown and fall off. I think that's just part of the cycle because then that's pushing out old growth to make room for new um, and you're right. I think we we panic because generally speaking, unless there's a disease or something involved that causes the leaves to be yellow, and that's going to be pretty obvious. If you have some kind of disease on the leaf, you're going to be able to know. But generally speaking, when a plant has yellowing leaves, it can be just natural, but it's a sign of either a nutrient deficiency or, as far as water goes, too much or too little. So you kind of have to flip the coin and think, okay, well, I've got yellowing leaves it is a sign that I am either watering too much or watering too little. It could be both. So if you think you're overwatering, then I wouldn't. You know, and it's knowing that it's not an active growth right now, so it probably is slowing down a little bit, and a lot of our house plants are too. So they require a lot less water because they're expending a lot less energy right now because they're not putting out new growth. So Renee, I think you're okay. 
Make sure to protect it when it's inside from any drafts or anything like that. Generally, Mandevilla, you know, those of you who probably know, almost like a trumpet-like, uh, bright, bright flower, beautiful, really deep throat, um, trails around mailboxes, can climb, be put on trellises. It's so beautiful. Their hardiness zone, though, is really more south than here, like zones 10 and 11, and we're, you know, 7, almost 8 uh, here in the metro Atlanta area. So they do well in the warm months, but generally just treat it as an annual here. But yes, it is possible a lot of you keep them alive year to year. So now's not the time to really water a lot. Um, definitely wouldn't be fertilizing and just make sure it is still getting some light wherever you've got it. But when you put those back out in the spring and the summertime, Mandevilla demands at least six hours of direct sunlight. So that's why you see, like I said, a lot of folks planting the mailbox or someplace that receives full sun. So all that in a very circular way, Renee, to tell you, I don't think you have anything to worry about. I think it's just kind of naturally doing its thing. I'm pulling a lot of yellow leaves off of my my pothos, my devil's ivy. I'm hanging in the bathroom. Same thing. I'm not worried about it at all. I'm really not watering it a lot, just kind of when I think about it. But always stick your finger in the top of the soil down to at least the knuckle. That way you're getting a good inch, inch and a half uh, soil depth and see, you know, if it's dried out, then it probably needs some water. But if it's even just a little bit wet, it's probably going to be fine. So thank you so much. Coming up, uh, Bill with some thoughts on things to do during the winter. And also Philip had questions about some flowering, climbing plants. And I do have some suggestions for him. So stay tuned. You're listening to Green and Growing at 718 on 95.5 WSB. Thank you so much, Scott. Everybody, welcome to the show, Green and Growing. Um, I think I have, yeah, my anniversary, my show anniversary is happening happening in a few days. So that's really cool. Two years on the air and y'all haven't kicked me off yet. I have a great time planning for this show, uh, doing the show, and then I'm kind of sad when nine o'clock hits and I have to walk away. But I take the entire week to get ready for the next show and I really enjoy it. Uh, weather update brought to you by Finley Roofing from meteorologist Christina Edwards. Today, it's going to be very breezy, very cold, wind chills in the 20s or less throughout the afternoon. So high only getting up to around 37 degrees, but warming trend on the way Sunday and Monday. Highs in the low to mid 50s and mostly sunny skies. Green and Growing, Green and growing with Ashley Frasca. Here's your garden to-do list this week. And I'm going to do this again in about 30 minutes. If you uh, want to hear a little more detail on this one, number one, I recently had a visit with UGA Extension Agent for Cherokee County, Josh Fooder, and he said now's an optimal time to graft apple trees and collect scions. That's the variety that you want to replicate. Uh, they're dormant now, so it's a great time to take those cuttings and graft it onto a rootstock. He's going to get in depth with that in about 30 minutes if you're interested in that, but I think that's so cool. He can explain it in a minute and a half much better than I can. Uh, number two, get a soil test. Pike Nursery sells the kits, or you can call the uh, UGA extension 1-800-ASK-UGA-1. And that's how you'll get a soil kit. Uh, what you need to do, you have to push back the mulch or the grass before you dig into the soil. Recommended you take 8 to 10 samples from every section of your yard that you're really wanting to look to plant. And then if you're talking about lawns uh, and you're you know really ready to gear up for spring, thinking about adding lime or this, that, or the other different fertilizer, you need to go 4 inches deep. 
in eight to 10 different spots to get a true reading of what your soil chemistry is there. If you're looking at a raised bed or a garden bed or something like that, really six inches deep. And then you mix that all together and send it away and the labs at UGA take care of it and give you their recommendations. And number three, Joe Lample, our friend behind Joe Gardner, says go pick out seeds for your desired summer crops. Yes, it's not too early to think about that. Browse nurseries and catalogs and talk to friends about different varieties uh, that they've been successful with and maybe use that for inspiration. So um, Philip could not hang on, but he was calling from the North Druid Hills area a little bit ago. Uh, said a climbing fig. I'm not really a fan. Do you suggest any other flowering wall coverings? Um, so something that's going to maybe come up a chain link fence, grow up a- a- along a brick wall. The first thing I thought of is bougainvillea. If you've been to Hawaii, if you've been to Florida and you go to the shopping centers Bright, bright, bright purple, um, sometimes pink. I mean, just flowers everywhere, covering walls. And it's it's not quite warm enough here for that to last and be a perennial. It's got to have six-plus hours of sun a day at least. But, God, that's pretty. I mean, that was my first thought when you talk about covering a wall. But let's talk about things we can do here. Uh, morning Glory. Morning Glory is going to be so beautiful. And, I mean, it's so easy to do from seed. Anybody could do it. Um, jasmine's another one, you know, and there's winter jasmine, uh, kind of the old timey shrub, uh, beautiful, fragrant white flowers that really spreads hummingbirds. It's uh, attractive to hummingbirds. That's a good one. I've got Carolina jessamine and no, that's not the same as jasmine. Carolina jessamine is a yellow flower. Um, and it blooms kind of like late winter, I believe, early spring, even fall. I mean, it'll bloom a number of times. It's it's new to me. I only planted it like in the summertime. Um, but it's it's maintaining itself through the cold weather. So I love that. And also Mandevilla, what Renee was calling about. Um, that one's tricky, as we talked about, because that does really, if, if you want to try your hand at overwintering it, it's got to be brought inside and um, taken care of. But you can just buy a new one every year, too. But Mandeville is going to be really pretty. I don't think that grows as quickly as maybe the Carolina Jessamine or the Jasmine and Morning Glory, my goodness. But Mandeville is definitely something worth trying your hand at as well. Um, I really want to talk to Bill coming up right after the newscast with suggestions for the show and things to do during the winter. And Ken and Covington, what happens if you plant a tree too deep? How are you going to know? What are going to be the signs? It's a fatal mistake. So we'll talk about that and maybe some more tips on how to be successful with that. Plus, my trip to the Cherokee County Recycling Center It was a stress reliever. It was an eye-opener. Some new things I learned um, and how what they're doing not only benefits the environment, but it's benefiting gardeners, people who are into arts and crafts, and road crews, the Georgia DOT, too. So stick around. You'll want to hear all about that. 404-872-0750. I'm Ashley Frasca. Good morning. You're listening to Green and Growing right here on WSB. with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries on 95.5 WSB. I'm so thankful for my supportive show staff here this morning that reminds me that everyone is listening to this show. So it's all about us together until 9 o'clock this morning. It doesn't seem like enough time. But lo and behold, Green and Growing is on every Saturday morning 6 to 9. I'm always here for you. 404 872 750. And it's about you. 
because you're calling and you have some great questions and some great advice. And I can't wait to talk to Bill in Tennessee, who has some suggestions. Good morning. Thank you for calling, Bill. Yes, good morning, Ashley. So what's going on? You driving around? I certainly am. And I was thinking as you were talking earlier, I said, oh, every January, we always go through our seeds and you take out the old seeds. You write on those. When you buy them, you get the Sharpie or your magic marker. Mm -hmm. You write on the, the date that you buy the seeds. And now's a good time to go through your old seeds before you buy your new seeds and get rid of the old ones. I think that's a great idea. Now, just as a general rule of thumb, not talking about any variety or any you know plant or vegetable specifically, but how long do you find that you're able to successfully store and keep seed and, and it's still viable? Well, we put ours in the freezer. Okay. And we, like say, if you can be on the package. It'll say two to four years. Huh. So you know, whatever it says on the package or... After about four years, I think the viability is just about gone anyway. If I were to design seeds, I wouldn't want anybody to keep them forever either. you got to buy some new seeds. <laughs> right, right. And it's so key to keep them dry, right? They can't even have the, the least little bit of moisture or else they're going to want to start to germinate. Correct, because uh, in April's coming, and then we plant our seeds in the greenhouse in February, so you have to be ready in January for February. Right. You know, I love that. That's a good reminder, Bill, that folks need to... It seems intimidating starting plants from seed, and it's really not. The, the basic thing on knowing when to do it is you got to think about the last frost date. And on average here, you know, Tennessee, you're a little bit further north, but Metro yeah. Atlanta, on average, our last frost date could be anywhere between like April 3rd, April 22nd here the last few years. And so you count backwards, you know, six to eight weeks backwards yeah. from that. So you're absolutely right. That puts you starting seed in a greenhouse or underneath your lamps and things in February. And that gives that seed enough time to become a seedling and a viable plant that where after the last chance of frost, it's ready to go outside. I think that's so rewarding. It's just fun to watch that and keep up with that process. Now, what are you going to start from seed? What plants are you doing? Uh, just the regular vegetables, uh, zucchini, tomatoes, and cucumbers. And I'll just put them in a green, greenhouse, turn the light on, and maybe have to, in a, may have to use a little heat. Yep. Hopefully it won't be 20 degrees in February and March. Oh, boy, you're you're preaching to the choir. I am with you there, yeah. too. I hope not. And, yeah, a lot of folks do try those heating pads. You know, you can spend a little or a lot on a heating mat to put underneath your seed tray. And sometimes it's necessary, sometimes it's not. But key, like you're saying, the lighting makes all the difference in that light being able to be adjustable. And it can be almost right on top of the soil. And then as the seeds start to germinate right on top of the plants, and then you just kind of keep, you know, upping the height a little bit to keep up with the plant growing. But I love that you do that, Bill. Hey, thanks so much right. for the suggestion. That's a great thing to do. Thank you, Ashley. All right. You drive safe. Call anytime, okay? Thank you so much. All right. From Tennessee now to North Carolina, and we say good morning to Janet. Hey, Janet. Well, good morning. How are you listening to the show this morning? Oh, I always listen to you. I love it. Are you listening online or on the app? Uh, no, I actually can get radio until about 8.30, somewhere along there. And then I'm with you mornings and evenings. And during the day, I have to stream WBT. 
WSB. That is great. I love it. Yeah, it's something atmospheric with the signal that it's better around dawn and dusk and all of that, I think. So that's fantastic. Well, welcome, welcome. What can I do for you? I was so interested in your callers about orchids. Mm -hmm. I'm a newbie. I got one for Christmas. It's lovely. The only directions I got were to take that plastic pot out of the decorative pot and put it into room temperature water Mm -hmm. and leave it one minute. I've been doing that, timing the one minute, Mm -hmm. and it's doing fine. My question is, can I also do that with fertilized water according to the mixture directions for the orchid fertilized? You know, I think that's a great question, and I was so thankful in the last hour to have a a listener, uh, Gerald, from the Atlanta area call and say, look, Ashley, you know, the way you're watering and the way Janet's watering, that's too hard. You're making it too complicated, but I'm going to stick with what works as far as, like you said, submerging that plastic pot inside the decorative pot. If you do it for a minute, that's great. I, I let it go for an hour, which probably is a little too much, but I just feel like... I don't need to water that often then, you know, less than once a month for these orchids. But for the fertilizer, so yes, so I mix the powder in with the right ratio of water. I myself put it in a half-gallon milk jug and keep the cap on, keep it underneath the kitchen sink. That way I've always got some on, on hand when I need it. And an active growth, plan on fertilizing every two to three weeks, and then like this time of year, maybe once a month is sufficient. But I've been told and I've had best practices with watering first go ahead and just use straight water like you're doing for a minute that way the air roots are able to absorb a little bit of that and that gives them a little bit of a barrier a little bit of protection from what's coming next which is the liquid fertilizer right we don't want to run the risk of burning anything so I think that's a good practice water at first you know I mean yeah don't don't have the fertilizer application be the first moisture that the poor plant has seen in a month so yeah I'd go ahead and do that but Uh, Oftentimes, if you water a little bit, just like for that minute, and then the fertilizer application's liquid as well, that's going to be sufficient moisture again until you're, you know, ready to do it again. Oh, wonderful. That was my question, the fertilizer. I did hear Gerald, but I failed to get the accurate information about submerging into the fertilized water. But thank you. You Water first. Take it out and then do the fertilizer water. Yep, I think that's a I think that's a good practice for sure. Oh, I love your show. Thank you so much. Thank you. Very good to hear from you. Thank you so much for checking in from North Carolina this morning. All right, we're going to talk to Ken in Covington here in just a little bit. But as promised, I want to bring you my adventure to the Cherokee County Recycling Center. And this is this is going to tickle you. I promise. This was a good time. I just want you to listen in. I guess we're not human if we don't get a little aggravated from time to time. For me, it was a frustrating week. And a few days ago, I was able to find some therapy by breaking glass. And once it gets broken, yeah, it's repurposed. So gardeners are interested in it and artsy craftsy folks are interested in it. I want you to learn a little more from my conversation with Cherokee County Recycling Center Manager Troy Brizzy. Troy, thank you for doing the demonstration for me. I just saw four bottles go through the... Uh... Glass pulverizer. <laughs> Not to be nosy, but how much did this thing cost? A uh, machine like this runs roughly $18,000. Based on what the county was spending to have glass hauled off, we will basically pay for this machine within two years. County residents only can bring glass recycling here, and where else? Our Hobgood Park location, 
And I was afraid to ask. I don't want to put a spaghetti jar in this thing. Do I have to be certified to use it? No, no. There, do, there are some instructions that need to, need to be adhered to when you're operating it, but it's, it's a very easy machine to work with. It's kind of like a wood chipper, but it doesn't seem as dangerous. How does it work once the glass goes up the conveyor and into the cruncher, the pulverizer? It's broken by impact. The glass is broken down and is, essentially it's pulverized. It then drops into a trommel with two different size diameter uh, screens. As the glass passes over the screens, material that is a particular size will fall through. And if it doesn't fit, it just keeps traveling to the end where it's dropped in as trash. And what are the uses for that glass once it's all put through the machine? The county plans on using the glass to help with roadbed. They're going to be using it in drainage ditches. The sand that's produced is going to be used pretty much anywhere where sand needs to be used, with the exception, of course, it's not playground quality sand. Mixing in concrete for building projects or in areas where they need fill. The expectation for this machine, like you said, was to do things maybe that the DOT or the county, you know, byproducts that the DOT or the county would use. And you told me off mic, what was a pleasant surprise that you found that people actually have a use for some of this glass that's ground down? It's pretty stuff. It's, it's very decorative. Um, we've had a lot of folks who are interested in it to use as ground cover in their gardens. We've had folks who are using it uh, decoratively in vases for display inside. So it's craft folks love this stuff. Now, not to, to send a run of arts and crafts folks on you here in Cherokee County, Troy, but how would somebody go about securing that from you all? I am sure it's prioritized to what the county needs and what the expectations are, you know, it being made into sand and things first. At this time, we're just building up a stockpile. Uh, for the most part, if somebody's interested, all they need to do is come to the office during business hours. And if they want a scoop of it, they're more than happy to, to give them some. I mean, I'm looking at a jar right above your head. It's it's not shards of glass. It's not sharp. It is super decorative. Looks pretty rounded off, pretty safe. Oh, yeah. And you'll, you'll see when we go out here, I'll, I'll actually pick it up and oh, wow. rub it between my hands. Yeah, it's very friendly. <laughs> For the time being, is there any shortage of glass? Are you finding that you have more than enough to eventually be on track to maybe make money back on this? It's actually reducing costs for the county. Down the road, if there's a revenue stream potential, we'll look at that. What all was involved without getting in the muck and the mire? But, you know, county politics are on any level, really. This machine cost $18,000. So what was kind of the give and take of the argument as to why this would benefit the county and its citizens? We rely on a third-party vendor to do our hauling. We would fill up large containers with glass, and the vendor would then haul it to a processing facility. Due to the pandemic and manpower shortages, that vendor lost a lot of their drivers. Well, in the meantime, the glass didn't stop coming in, but now I've got containers that are full and no place to put them. So it was because of that outside vendor, really, we started looking at other avenues. How can we, how can we do away with this third entity in dealing with our glass processing? And doing some research, we found this machine, and basically the machine itself allows us to process it. We do our own hauling, so it's it's all self-contained within the county. We don't rely on, on anybody else. And as far as you know, are there any other counties in Metro Atlanta that have anything like this? The, in my research for with the machine, I'm in close contact with our neighboring county, Pickens County, and when I showed it to them, they ended up purchasing one as well. So they've got one operating in Pickens County also. I know it's maybe only been in use, what, a month, maybe a little over a month, but what's been the reaction as far as, you know, you have to take a few extra steps before folks just throw their glass in a container. So far, it's great. Um, the, the biggest thing is folks are glad to see that it's, it's being used, it's being recycled and not just tossed in the landfill. And I think that's ultimately what, what everybody's striving for is they want to know it's, they want to know that their efforts aren't, aren't for nothing. 
makes you feel good. Exactly. The first time I came here myself as a Cherokee County resident and brought my glass, I had a couple of spaghetti jars that were dirty. They had metal caps on them. I had maybe a wine bottle that still had the cork in it. Tell me what process we go through before we get to throw it in the bin. Uh, first and foremost, all the glass has to be food grade glass. Any glass that you purchase from the store that has food or drink in it. We ask that all liquids be removed, the glass be cleaned. As far as lids, we don't like the big metal lids. I say we, the machine, doesn't like the big metal lids. Every once in a while one slips through. For the most part, it handles lids and labels just fine. Um, anything that's put in for processing that doesn't meet those standards, unfortunately, we have to trash it. Troy, what are we looking at as far as tons of recycling material donated by the residents of Cherokee County within the last year? Within the last year, just glass alone, the county processed 331 tons of glass. Did you hear that? 331 tons of glass just in one county alone. I did the math. I did the research for you. That's 331 water buffalo because they weigh a ton each, or 220 mid-sized cars. That's a lot of glass, folks. So my thanks to the Cherokee County Recycling Center in Troy there. Kind of a new way of recycling glass benefits the county. It's gardeners, craft hobbyists, road crews, and the landfill, as you heard there. So you can learn more. Visit my Facebook page, Green and Growing WSB, and see some of the videos I took on site. All right, time to take a break. When we come back, the top three things to do in the landscape this weekend. It's 95.5 WSB. Yeah. The update on the weekend weather brought to you by Finley Roofing. Today, breezy and cold, high only in the mid-30s, and mostly sunny skies tomorrow and Monday with highs around 50. Green, Green and growing. Ashley Frasca's top three things to do this weekend. I only may have time for number one, but Josh Fooder, UGA Extension Agent in Cherokee County, with some great advice for apple tree enthusiasts. This time of year is really the optimal time to graft some apple trees to collect your scions and to store your scions. Ideally, with grafting, you know, we're using a dormant or actively growing rootstock, but our scion, that's our variety that we want to replicate, needs to be dormant. So now is the, a great time. Uh, we want to take about pencil to Sharpie diameter of growth from last year. It has to be one-year-old growth. And actually, some of the better material to graft in this situation are those water sprouts because they're very straight and usually you know if you're looking at an old tree and you don't know exactly what you're looking at there's a usually a remark color difference between one-year-old wood versus two and three-year-old wood it starts to get gray over time probably long enough to where you can fit it in a ziploc bag probably put it in a mild bleach solution like a 10 percent bleach solution just to kill any fungus that may be on there rinse it off and then on the cut end you're gonna to wanna to put a damp paper towel just to keep it from drying out. And then you're gonna keep it in the fridge until you're ready to graft later on. Seal the bag airtight, hopefully keep it away from any ethylene emitting vegetables that might be in your fridge. And really you can then bring that stuff out and top work it into a tree. So maybe you don't wanna buy or have the ability to buy some uh, root stocks, but you can then go insert it into other apples that you know maybe you already have growing. How cool is that? So I don't want it to seem overcomplicated, but you can do it. If you're interested to learn more, reach out to me on the Green and Growing WSB Facebook page. All right, number two, 
Joe Lample, our friend behind Joe Gardner, says go pick out seeds for your desired summer crops. And our caller, Bill from Tennessee, said kind of the same thing. Go through the seeds you already have. See what's viable. See what you've got in stock. That way you don't have to buy more. And number three, get a soil test. You can buy them at Pike Nurseries or call 1-800-ASK-UGA-1 to find the county extension office nearest you. And that is how you can get started. All right. Ready for hour number three of Green and Growing. More of your calls, 404-872-0750. And up first, Ken in Covington will be talking about how to plant a tree properly. You're listening to 95.5 WSB. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.